talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. It's part three of our Ohio State-Michigan series. This one is the four of us talking about intangibles in the series and a couple other things. That's me, Doug Maurice. That's Nathan Baird. That's Stephen Means, Ohio State writers. That's Jimmy Watkins, our rivalry reporter at Cleveland.com. So we have gone through in the first pot in this series how Texters fans, Buckeye Talk listeners, are generally feeling about the rivalry right now. Then in part two, the four of us went through the football. Matchups both sides of the ball, strengths, weaknesses, transfers, run game, defense, pass game, all those things. And now we want to get to was feelings and it was football. And now this is stuff. This is not just feelings. This is feelings that affect football. Feelings, then football, then feelings that affect football. And part of this, and we'll go right to trash talk because people love the trash talk. We're a little off on the recording schedule. We are recording this Wednesday morning. You are hearing it Friday. We don't know what happened in the 36 hours in between because there's something percolating right now. So somebody might have driven to Columbus and kicked somebody in the shins. We don't know. So if we miss that and you're like, why didn't you talk about the shin kicking? We apologize. Because what we're talking about is the vibes around the game and how that might affect the football on the last Saturday in November. And Jimmy, one of the things that hap- that is happening that really – I think it's an intangible thing that's a tangible thing is Jim Harbaugh put a flag in a museum, right? The flag that they planted, that Michigan planted in Columbus, and again, you can't actually plant a flag in turf, but that the the visceral, theoretical, not not literal planting of the flag is in this little, what, what does Michigan have, like a football is it just like in the front of their football building they have a lot of yes. trophies and stuff? But the flag's there, right? The flag is there, Jimmy. Is that correct? Yes, it's got. They have the flag. They have, uh, you know, very, very large back-to-back Big Ten championship plaques or, or wooden slates, what have you. Um, they've got pictures of them celebrating on the field. Michael Barrett, I think it is, running around with the flag after the game, and it was. It goes back to when they planted it, right? Like it was notable that they did it when they when they beat OSU at Ohio Stadium last year, and they they planted the flag and the stuff they were saying afterwards too. Like, you know, they're talking about how they could they could see Ohio State the life coming out of Ohio State on the on the sidelines and the big speech that I think it was Mike Sammer still gave. Like these guys, we know what they do. This they're gonna quit stuff like that. Like this is like. It's it's kind of psychological warfare. It's not. I don't think it's just um, puffing your chest out. I think it's it's it's. I mean, it's it's partially the the result of, of years of frustration. But I think it's like trying to assert themselves as like, hey, this is this is our thing now. So that idea, the flag is now remembered. It's showcased. It's shown off, Stephen. This idea, what what should Ohio State fans do with that? Should it make them mad? Should they ignore it? Should should they feel sheepish about it? And and what should Ohio State do about that? Like, what does the flag, you win, you plant the flag, now you show the flag off. The third part of that, you show the flag off. What does that mean for the rivalry, do you think, Stephen? 
Well, I think fans should just be ticked off about it because, yeah, you should be. This is almost, it's a step up from last year when they did the memorabilia after they won, won the game to kind of mock Ohio State having the, the gold pants that they do after every game. This is a step up from that. So, yeah, fans should be upset. The team just should win the game. Start there. Win the football game. And then all the social aspects of this are available to you because winning the game would be in Ann Arbor. So you can – I don't know if you plant a flag back because I just don't – that might just seem a little corny, which you can do something if you win the game this year because it's in Ann Arbor. So, Nathan, I, I want to tie this together here. This is what Michigan's doing – after this second win. Famously, the, the headline the first time Michigan beat Ohio State was third base. So you couple Jim Harbaugh's third base coach. Some of, some of us were born on third base, which is saying that Ryan Day as the Ohio State head coach was handed a great program by Urban Meyer and Jim Harbaugh had to build that from the ground up after the disastrous terms of Rich Rodriguez and Brady Hoke. And Jim Harbaugh gets the first win, gets the first win and says that. And then the moment there's kind of a reaction from Ohio State fans of like, yo, dude, like, come on. Like, it's one win. And plus, obviously, Jim Harbaugh is the son of a coach. He's the former Michigan quarterback. He, he, in a lot of ways, inherited that job, even though he had a lot to build, where Ryan Day is just some guy from New Hampshire who had no connection to Ohio State and had some hardship in his life. When you add the second win, how does that change the context of the third base quote? And then you plant a flag and then you showcase the flag. Where, where, what do you think Michigan is doing here? Have they seized on something beyond the football, Nathan? A little bit, yeah. I mean, I think you've, when you, within reason, when you are winning, you get to do these things. You get to run your mouth a little bit. You get, and, and I don't think something, it, it's one of those things where like, I, how distasteful you feel it is to plant a flag on the other team's turf varies from person to person. I would not consider that distasteful. I think that's within the realm of that's within fair ground of things you get to do after you go into the stadium of your biggest rival, the biggest rival in college sports and you beat them. I think that's a thing you get to do. And I think you get to celebrate it. I think you get to cherish it a little bit and that's, it should just be fuel for the other team to knock you off that pedestal. I agree with Steven. You can't plant a flag in Ann Arbor though. It's gotta be something else. You can't, it can't just be trading that back and forth, come up with something unique, but again, within, within the, the realm of, of, you know, decorum. But I, as it relates to that, that third base comment, I remember I was having the debate at the time that I was much less offended on Ryan Day's behalf than other people were about that. Um, and I think what Jim Harbaugh was trying to say in that moment is sort of just because you took over a runaway train doesn't mean someone can't hop on and pull the brakes or maybe even send it back in the other direction. And that's what has happened here these last two years. Now it's, it's not just a blip. I mean, they've won two in a row. They're the ones who control the rivalry right now. And with that comes a certain amount of puffing your chest that you get to do just as Ohio State fans and, and the program a little bit were doing for the previous 15 years. So so uh, I'm going to give you guys a 30-second heads up here, and then I'll vamp for a little bit. I would like each of you to prepare your trash talk. 
So say I want you to all bring it from the Ohio State side because we because Michigan's is pretty clear right now. So let's say that you are an Ohio State fan or an Ohio State player or somebody associated with Ohio State, and you're walking down the street. Let's just say a random place, Disney World. You're walking down the street in Disney World, and a Michigan fan player, somebody on your equal level, bumps into you and starts talking about flag planting third base, two straight, we're more physical, you're soft, the worm has turned, take that Ohio State. What would you say back? I want your like 30 second, is it pure emotion? Are you going back to some, are you grabbing something tangible in the past? Do you turn and walk away? Because I think we want to help, you know, the players got to figure it out. There are people listening to this who are dealing with who are dealing with this right now. So really, I, I my my primary thing here is how does this kind of thing potentially potentially affect the game when it's played? Does it have an effect on the football? But for now, that's a ways off, right? That's like six months, whatever, five, seven months off, seven, seven months off. So for now, we just want to help with the trash talk. So does somebody who feels like they've got it? Like a 30 second, like, hey, uh, hey, hey, I planted your flag. I'm, a, I'm wearing maize. Look at me. I'm in maize. And I planted a flag and I put it in a museum. Hey, me, I'm me. Hey, Jimmy's got it. Jimmy, hey, hey, I got a flag. What do you think of that? What I, do you think of that? It's huh? uh, this flag plant you got there. It's, uh, it's a lot cooler to, to size rings, which Michigan hasn't done since any of the players on the current rosters were born. I think I think that math is correct, right? Ninety-seven. Um, it's much cooler to size rings, and you. Congrats on winning two games out of the last what sixteen. That's nice. If I if I won two games in sixteen years, I might frame one of them in a museum as well. And let's not forget the circumstances under which you won those two games. One in a, in a snow in a snow. I wouldn't call it a snowstorm, but if we're talking shit, snowstorm, one in a snowstorm, the other in a situation where the the secondary forgot to play football. J.J. McCarthy threw a couple touchdown passes. How many 17-year-old starting quarterbacks at your local high school couldn't have thrown those touchdown passes? Those guys were wide open. So yeah, that's fine. Plant your flag. Plant your flag off of some coverage busts. Even when you win, we have to give it to you. But uh, we'll stay over here counting jewelry. I like. I thought that was some good trash talk, but I I liked the part. It was so grammatical. The phrase "circumstances under which" is is good <laughs> trash talk. <laughs> well, the circumstances under which that's good. And then also, I like leaning into your own mistakes. It's like you think you're so cool. Well, our defense stunk so bad. Anybody could have thrown touchdown passes on us. So take that. So that's pretty good, Stephen. Stephen, I don't know. Were you a trash? <laughs> Where <laughs> guys were falling down. Rutgers could have thrown those passes. R- Michigan, Stephen, were you a trash talker at all in your athlete days? I didn't start it, but I would engage if it was oh. brought to brought to me. Uh, okay, yeah. so it's been brought to you. It's been brought. Yeah, to yeah. I wasn't Draymond Green, but I was literally anybody else in the NBA. <laughs> um, I, okay, you got to lean into. <laughs> The fact that 2020 saved your head coach's job, you have to lean mm. into that. 
you, you got to continue to harp on that. You have to harp on that the same way Michigan has harped on the fact that they still have the overall lead because you got to find your advantages. So you harp into that as much as humanly possible. And then you got to say something under the lines of just because of how things have played out since and how often really over these last two years, Michigan has taken jabs at Ohio State in the media, in the recruiting realm. You have to say something like, you planted a flag in my stadium, but I've been living rent-free in your head for 20-plus years. Ooh, that's good. That's good. I like referencing the flag plant. That's a strong but. Yeah. Boom, right in there. But rent-free in your head is pretty solid, so that's helpful. So we have some good things here. Sizing rings, rent-free in the head. I think Nathan Baird out in the bean field when it got, cereal, when it got real in the bean fields. Were you bringing it? Can you bring some trash talk here to this situation? You know, um, I was more of a baseball player. Baseball not known for extensive trash talk, especially out in the the bean fields, the cornfields of, of central Illinois. I think you've just got to you, you you have to. It's got to be counter punches. So it's like, oh, like you you've got that flag in the museum. Were you guys waiting for them to like wave a starters flag in the semifinal? Is that mm. why you were got in such a big hole against Ooh, TCU? Or uh, you want to talk about third base? Like maybe. Uh, Coach Arbaugh was talking about third base. Was he still coaching baseball at the start of that game? Is that why you guys mm. blew that game? Like, I think you lean into the fact that uh, okay, Michigan wins that game, but then what do they do with it? They they got go on to the next level, and then uh, I know it was only a one touchdown game by the end of that, but it was it was uh, careening towards an embarrassment before Michigan figured some things out. So I think there's something to play with there. Yeah. I like it. I like leaning up. So size rings, rent-free, uh, third base. What about this? How about I got the third base with your mom? What about that? Would that be a good one if if you're just walking down the street in Disney World and 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 like some a Michigan person was there? Would that work? No? I'm not. It's I'm just tricky. trying to help. I'm you, just trying to help. I'm, I'm, no? You got to make it, sure it their mom's still what alive. You mean by, tricky. Yeah, what, what, what works there? What, what What's the goal? What are we trying to get to work? If you're trying to, if you're trying to start a fight, okay, potentially. Oh no no no! Uh, whatever He's I say in Disney World, I'm 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 going to say it. I'm going to turn and run. Good, because there is a chance that depending on the human being, how sensitive they are, but more importantly, how much they have intaken while watching said football mm. game. Because you know, there's you know there's certain right. beverages that come along with watching big time sporting events. They may unload on you. So yeah, I mine's think, the yeah, worst. Yeah. I think ours I lost doesn't. The yeah, ours, well, no, I think yours is the best because it gets the most eyes <laughs> out of somebody. It just it ends up in the worst result for you. Yeah, it's the it's the one most likely to get uh, the person punched uh, when yeah. they say it. So, okay, so guys, I I did ask some tech subscribers for their opinions on this stuff. Um, this is our guy Cullen in Boston who always has good things to say. The recent losses remind me why I hate meat chicken. It's not about the football. It's their culture. They are arrogant. It's sickening. They're arrogant about everything. They have talked more trash about Ohio State in the last two years than Ohio State talked from 2002 to 2021. Not the fans. I don't care what the fans say. It's the players, ex-players, and coaches. Think of the things said and done by Desmond Howard, Jim Harbaugh, Braylon Edwards. Can you name anything said or done by those in the Ohio State program over the last 20 years that comes close? So Braylon Edwards gave uh, – well, okay, go ahead, Nathan. Nathan, if you if you are well, uh, given the head tilt, give your examples. Some of what 
something the third base comment that Jim Harbaugh said was predicated by things that Ryan Day either said or allegedly said, right? Like some well, of that but, was and, and we don't have to re-legislate all of that. The the drop a hundred thing Ryan Day did not say publicly. And we don't even know for sure that he said it. Right. And there was another exchange between them supposedly on a conference call with the coaches, whatever. So I'm just saying that it's it's not as if uh Ohio State has had its lips sewed shut for the last 20 but that's, years but i do think but, but there that's is not a, public trash talking that is different yeah i mean i think there is a difference a between saying like head to head yeah I agree. there's a difference so, between saying something in private versus saying something for now the entire world can eat it up so i i do think but like should ohio state should ohio state i this is coming from an ohio state side of things right colin as an ohio state fan is saying that i think there is some truth to it that ohio state and and i don't know i wasn't here and I did not specifically ask the texters this. When the worm turned with Trestle after Cooper, I don't know if Ohio State fans were like, yeah, 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 because they've been they've been holding it up for so long. Michigan fans have been holding it in for so long. Of course they're letting it out. But the main thing is I do think it's a little bit of a tough spot for fans because all the facts of like, well, you know, you look the last whatever, Ohio State has an edge. Well, you know, who's – more ready to compete on the national stage, but it's almost like Ohio State. I don't know if Ohio State fans missed the chance that Ohio State dominated the rivalry for so long. Maybe they weren't talking. I guess is the lesson, Jimmy, talk your trash while you can. Always talk trash because eventually it's going to be somebody else's turn and you don't want to regret having blown your opportunity. Should Ohio State have been, you know, planting flags in 2019 or whatever when they have the opportunity? It's it's funny because the this idea that you're you're above talking trash, it's kind of a Michigan ideology, right? Like the it's a, it's a Michigan man, you know, button your coats up tight, and we do things a certain way, a class organization. That's when I when if I, if I were to if you told me that someone in this rivalry was was kind of you know buffing their buffing their nose up at talking trash, I would guess it would be Michigan. But I think. There's there's this weird thing with Ohio State. They've they've run it for so long, and now like it, it feels like if they if they talk back, it's like they're admitting that Michigan has ceded control. When I mean, in reality, we all know it, that Michigan has control of the rivalry right now. But if Ohio State stoops quote unquote to Michigan's level, then it's like, well, now Ohio State's acknowledging that that's the case, and that's that's this big terrible thing. And it's and it's like I think you're right, Doug. Like. You should be talking. This is a rivalry. That's part of it. There's like the fan bases truly dislike each other. Like, like the people you would be, again, I, I referenced this yesterday, but when I was talking to people, <laughs> people in the concourse of the Ohio State spring game last year, like people would, one out of every, I don't know, three people would chastise me for saying the team's name. One guy, I was wearing like a blue shirt, a navy blue shirt with pink stripes. One guy like stopped me. I didn't interview this person or I tried to. They wouldn't, they wouldn't, they didn't want to talk. Stopped me and said, you know, if Urban Meyer was here, they wouldn't have let you in the building. And it's like, you're a crazy person. And that's the, I think there's a disconnect between fans and the, and players and coaches where coaches think it's counterproductive to, to get that kind of stuff out there. And players are going to listen to their coaches. But, that's what the fans want so bad. Like you know, I think Ohio State fans. Maybe I'm wrong because our, our guy was was talking. Uh, is it Colin? Colin was saying he he doesn't like the way Michigan carries itself. But 
I think he would like it if Ryan Day was saying some of that stuff about Jim Harbaugh after games. I don't know. There's definitely a portion of his fan base that wants Ohio State to be more vocal and to be a little bit edgier right now about this. And it, if you're the, if you are in that part of the fan base, but you also are offended by Michigan doing some of the same things, maybe you need to reconcile that a little bit. I mean, it wasn't like they've been trading off wins here, one here, two here, one here, two. Like it, it was a long freaking time. I don't need to tell Ohio State fans that they reveled in how much they controlled this rivalry for a long time. I think um, I'll make an analogy. As I mentioned before, being a, a baseball guy growing up, I uh, was a fan of the St. Louis Cardinals. We all knew that someday God would decide, OK, finally, I guess the Cubs can win a World Series again. Huge rivals in baseball. And you just brace yourself for the day that that happens because you know they're going to make you eat it so much. All the Cub fans that live around you are going to make you eat it so much when that finally happens and you kind of just have to sit back and take it. And that's what we did, because what can you do? They just won the World Series. And I feel like this is a little bit of that. As Ohio State fans, as much as you don't want to think about it, as you're going on one of these long lose winning streaks, you know that when it ends, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to wear it for a little bit. And that's what's happening right now. I don't think Ohio State missed its window to talk trash. I just think they got used to winning. And you hear coaches say this a lot. They say stuff like, act like you've been here before. A lion doesn't concern itself with the opinion of sheep. Well, 20 years in, you're a lion. Why are you paying attention to what Michigan has? It means nothing because they're not winning anything. And you got used to that. It became, I kind of wrote this during the season before the Michigan game. They, with, with people who are like in their mid 20s, my, my age and Jimmy's age and younger, the Ohio State Michigan rivalry had turned into this thing that we make a big deal about Thanksgiving week every single, every single year. But then Ohio State wins the game. You know, it's a cool social thing and it's the biggest rivalry in sports, but the actual football being played, Ohio State's going to win that. So I do think now that that's shifted a little bit, I think last year you called it a blip for sure. Now that it's two in a row, I do think fans, yes, they want them to talk trash, but also there's a bit of shock in this where it's like, what is going on? Are we headed back to the 90s? And you get hyperbolic with some of these conversations and how and how people view it, but it's almost like this why is this happening right now? Where did things go wrong? What is going on with Michigan? How did they all of a sudden become good? And our entire answer, it's not Ohio State's not doing anything wrong, even though they've had some flaws. It's just Michigan's a good football team now. And I think Michigan fans and Michigan program are acting like they haven't been here before because they haven't. It's been, it was like 20 years since they won, they legitimately won an Ohio State-Michigan game and even longer than that since they won back-to-back games. So, Ohio State spent 20 years acting like this is what happens. You beat Michigan. Michigan is acting like this is not normal. We don't beat Ohio State, so we're going to revel in it because we're not really sure how long this is going to last because Ohio State is still Ohio State. I do think it felt like right when Harbaugh got here and Harbaugh was doing weird stuff, he didn't talk about the rivalry that much. And he did not say things like, I guarantee. He did not give a trestle-like speech that will make you proud on that day because I think he wanted to get everything else in order. Now he took shots at Ohio state where he thought Michigan had ground to take shots, which mostly then was we hold our program to a higher standard. He took the shot at Gene Smith when Harbaugh was saying, what did, Harbaugh said something about, I don't even know what it was. And then Gene gave a comment 
that was rela- related to like, well, I think on this issue, this is the situation that it should be. And then Harbaugh said like, athletic director Smith should worry about his own house or whatever. And he took a shot at Ohio State and it was around the idea of Ohio State's had a lot more like NCAA violations and football stuff than, than Michigan has. Why don't you mind your own shop, right? He took sh- a shot where Michigan had ground. He did not take a on-field rivalry shot until they won. And then he had it locked and loaded. So I do think the opportunity for Ohio State is to try to find ground where it's not necessarily related to the specific game on the field between Ohio State and Michigan, but you can go to like overall national championships. You can go to, I don't know, our mascot's a nut and yours isn't. I don't know. Whatever else you want to do. Factual things where you feel like you have some ground, but it is, it comes back to you, Stephen. And it's like, you can have a 30 second conversation like this. Hey, what's up with the trash talk? What should you do? It's like, just win. It's like, no, that's right. Just win because Michigan, some of the players, the revenge tour and that tried to stuff, they t- they tried to talk some stuff mm-hmm. before they were winning and it felt like it didn't work. So I do think, and I, I let, let me get to a specific example here. I do think from a player perspective, Ohio State has to be very careful. You can talk about how dedicated you are going to be to making sure you are giving your all in that game. I don't, you can't guarantee wins necessarily. You can't. You can't call out Michigan when you're a two-time loser. But, Stephen, as we're recording this just recently overnight, Michigan offensive line, excuse me, Ohio State offensive line recruit Ian Moore noted a tweet that was comparing Michigan's four offensive line recruits in the class of 2024 to Ohio State's four offensive line recruits in the class of 2024. And it was just a sports writer saying, hey, like, hey, I wonder, like, who do you think's better? And Ian Moore, the best, the highest-ranked, line recruit for the Buckeyes from Indiana came in over the top of that and quote tweeted it and said like, Hey, what do you, how can you even ask this? The Michigan guys didn't even have Ohio state offers. And then Nick Murphy, who's Mark Pantone's right-hand man in recruiting retweeted that. And then another tweet that was like spicy, like he liked it. So it's a recruit saying it. And then it's an Ohio state staffer saying like, yes, that this is a version of that's not specifically related to, Hey, who's winning the rivalry. But it's an, a, an area, Stephen, where you can try to grab on facts. Okay, did the Michigan recruits have Ohio State offers or not? And if you're trying to say which one's better, this Ohio State person is trying to seize on facts and say, obviously, we're better. What are you saying here, Stephen? What do we think of that? I think this is where Ohio State can have the advantage. And he did more than that. He put up one of our stories, one of our Cleveland.com stories, <laughs> where the headline is literally St. Edwards, Ben Roebuck says Ohio State offer this weekend would be the uh, life highlight. <laughs> like that's So there, he, he and the Armstrong twins are having some fun with this. The Armstrong twins also play with Ben Roebuck, so that's its own thing. That's on the same offensive line. But this is where Ohio State can – you know, bark back a little bit and the bark actually has some strength behind it because while it's funny trash talk, the best trash talk has a little bit of truth to it. And this type of trash talk, there's truth to it. He, Ben Roebuck and uh, uh, Hamilton, Luke Hamilton were all at the same camp. One walked away with the offer. The other two got interviewed and were talking about how they'd love to get an offer and they never got the offer and ended up at Michigan. And they've had their say about how they don't like Ohio State and whatnot. And now Ian Moore and the Armstrong twins and the rest of the commits are getting their say. But right now, from an on-field product, Michigan has the advantage because they've won two in a row. From a recruiting standpoint, just because Ohio State's built up so much momentum right now and they do have a better class than them right now, just from a rankings perspective, they have the the upper hand. So this is where you can see Ohio State start to talk some trash a little bit more. 
and they're doing and it. I, and, and Ben Roebuck did come back with like, hey, who develops offensive line guys better? Who he won did. the Joe Moore Award? That kind of thing, which is also facts. Nathan, what do you think of this? Well, I'll say I, I, I love the attitude. I hate the argument. I disagree vehemently that Ohio State gets to thump its chest about recruiting right now because the ultimate recruiting ranking is who wins the game. Like J.J. McCarthy was who Ohio State picked someone else over. He won last year. Uh, Donovan Edwards won last year. They picked someone over him. There's a bunch of Michigan guys who did not have Ohio State offers who are 2-0 and against Ohio State right now. So you can thump your chest about the recruiting rankings if you want. I think that's that's not where I would take the argument. Well, but it's not recruiting rankings. It's offers in these particular circumstances, which is actually more personal, but, which is kind of yeah. But, it, but what does but, it mean so right now? Point, what is it, it? You don't have evidence right now that Ohio State's offering the right. I mean, but, but they're not here yet, though, so they hold can't. On, hold, on, hold on. Wait, 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 wait. But the point is, so Nathan, is this your point? We're saying Ohio State can't talk trash about the rivalry. They've lost the last two. So then, Nathan, is your point? Just don't say anything until you win. Like you can't say anything because all that matters is on the field. Because we're trying to say. Is there anything you can grab that's not directly rivalry related that Ohio State can bring some heat about? But if you're saying who cares about offers and recruiting rankings, all that matters is you lost the game, then I guess Ohio State should just probably go win and that's it. Is that what you would advise? I think it's you've just got to be very careful what you're arguing when it comes to recruiting because Michigan gets to come back and say, I know we, there are other guys that we didn't offer either. And they're two and O against you last two years. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, I, I, I think the winning is the ultimate recruiting ranking. I think so. Steven, hold on one second, Jimmy, Steven, do you think this is good? Somebody related to the Buckeyes is bringing a little something. And again, it's not directly related to on field Ohio state versus Michigan, but it is something to grab onto. Do you like this, Steven? I do. Um, whether it, I agree with Nathan that the, the end result is what happens on game day, of course, but you got to find ways to have some type of a level of an advantage. And if this can do it for you under this context, this is the only context where it works because they're talking trash with two Ohio kids. It's not like there's, you know, they're talking trash with like some kids from Nebraska who didn't get Ohio State officers while the other kids did. So the added layer of this is why it's good for the rivalry. All right, Jimmy, go ahead. What do you think about this? I just think that, the it's premature first of all to be i mean it's cool that these kids are already really into the rivalry but like they're these kids are are a couple years away at least of being able to to hash this out on the field but i also think that they're kind of feeding into this this sort of under the radar recruiting it's not so under the radar this recruiting edge that michigan has where like the, the jj mccarthy thing jj mccarthy came out scorched earth against Ohio State after committing to Michigan. Like you could you could make the case that JJ McCarthy ended up at Michigan because of the way he perceived the way that Ohio State handled his recruitment. I think you could make a similar argument with Jaden Davis, the other five star kid they just landed, right? Mm. With no? No, not no it's not it's apples to oranges. It's it's not JJ McCarthy is blatantly that. Jaden Davis right. is not so much that because to, for all potential purposes, Jaden Davis had plenty of opportunities to commit to Ohio State before General Rayola came along. And he just did. Okay. He just continued is, his process. So it's not. Is that, I, is that how Jaden Davis is going to posture when he's at Michigan, though? Pro- tra- tra- trash talk is not always. Not, like, we don't have to be based in reality. It's not. But also, like, they're not the same personality. So I can't guarantee you he will. Like, J.J. McCarthy is also just 
kind of like that in a lot of ways. <laughs> if we're being honest, right. I think we we very much have figured that out here. Jaden Davis is not quite that. Like, you know, so I I can't guarantee you that it it might be postured that way if he ends up being the starter and people are asking him questions about it. He'll probably get those questions, but I don't I can't sit here and guarantee you just based off their personalities he'll give the same similar answers that JJ McCarthy would give. I would so the overall point is just that I think I can't know, but I think Michigan is is using what they see highest yeah. level kids that Ohio State doesn't offer and they go, "Well, what's the best way to stick it to those guys?" And this is just feeding into that. And this is this will be I don't whatever if Michigan has a recruiting PowerPoint these tweets are going in there. That's all I'm saying. I, I hope they have a recruiting PowerPoint. I think PowerPoints are a very effective way of communication. Quick break. When we come back, I have a very specific question I want to ask that just popped in my head. And then we have some more survey stuff next on Buckeye Talk. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, we're in the heat of this trash talk discussion. Nathan, this is something that we've talked about before. The overdog becoming an underdog. The thing that has not been the case in the last two years is Ohio State is not the underdog, right? Ohio State, they lose the first year. Everyone assumes Ohio State's going to win. And then even last year, okay, now Ohio State gets them at home. It's treated as more of a blip. We have seen every time Ohio State gets to be an underdog, they love it. They seize on it. Doesn't mean they always win, but they they often play pretty well. And it does, I don't know, Nathan, it does feel like they, it brings out something in them. We don't know what the betting line's going to be. We don't know what everybody's going to be picking. On one hand, Ohio State would never want to seed ground to Michigan and say like, hey, who's the big dog in the Big Ten? Oh, it's Michigan now. Ohio State's never going to say that or want that. But will it help Ohio State if the Buckeyes are perceived as more of an underdog, whether on the betting line, whether on the way people talk about the game, whether in the rankings, because that's that hasn't happened yet. The, the tough thing that has happened right now is Ohio State is still has for both losses was perceived as the better team was the higher ranked team was the betting line favorite and lost. Maybe that won't be the case this year and they're going to be on the road. Is there something that could happen here, Nathan? Yeah, I mean, I certainly wouldn't concede that it, it's necessary. I think they should be able to win. I think if you're a team at this level, you should be the favorite going and take care of business. We've certainly seen plenty of teams do that in recent years, and Ohio State does it more often than not. But I think it would help them probably from a, from a uh, um, I guess, just a mental standpoint, an intangible standpoint going into that game uh, to have that pressure, I guess, for lack of a better term, put on the other team. I think it might even help the fan base a little bit because I think one of the things that has made these past two losses so frustrating is not that Ohio State fans expected to win that game and didn't. It's that the entirety of the college football world really looked at the first 11 games that both of those teams played both years and said, no, Ohio State's clearly the better team. They'll win this game. And they didn't. And it wasn't even that close, really, uh, at the end in either of them. So I think that has probably been one of the of the many needles that are that are, are are poking at Ohio State fans about this rivalry right now. I think that's one of them. 
So let's get to a, a discussion that I want to have, which is not exactly about intangibles, but I think it's about the situations that can perhaps create the environment for intangibles to matter even more. And this is when the teams are kind of equal on the field. And so I have gone back to 1951, to the beginning of Woody, and there have been 71 Ohio State-Michigan games since then. And it's a shorthand, a shorthand, a shorthand, a shorthand, a shorthand. You just do the best you can with like a chart. I looked at when both teams were ranked in the top 10 going into the game, when neither team was ranked in the top 10, when just Ohio State was and Michigan wasn't, or when just Michigan was and Ohio State wasn't. And what are the records in those games? The games where neither of them are top 10 teams, there have been 21 of them. Ohio State 17 and four. So what happens is that if they're both a little iffy, Ohio State crushes Michigan. And this is more, I think this is this is a very specific thing. Michigan has fallen off a cliff more than Ohio State has fallen off a cliff in the last 71 years. And so there have been more opportunities where just on the football, Ohio State's just better. There have not been very many opportunities where Ohio State is just non-competitive as a football team and Michigan is just like, well, we're just going to beat you just like we would beat Indiana. But that has happened with Ohio State. So in the last 71 years, since Woody, overall, Ohio State, it's 40-29-2 for Ohio State. So that's an 11-game edge for the Buckeyes. It's a 13-game edge when neither of them are in the top 10. That's where Ohio State makes all its bones, man. This is the on-off. This is like, this is the starters crushing the bench, whatever, right? This is this is where it happens. And this is completely not applicable to what is happening right now. Because even if both aren't in the top 10, one of them's gonna be. I don't even know, what, what would it look like at this point going forward for when neither of them are gonna be in the top 10? So the biggest advantage of the last 71 games doesn't exist. So now let's get down to what is happening. When Ohio State is in the top 10 and Michigan is not, okay? Ohio State in the top 10 and Michigan is not. It's 10-8 Ohio State. Now, the reason it's only 10-8 is all the times that Coop was in the top 10 and Michigan wasn't at Michigan one. So like that, there's a little bit of that in there. But still, Ohio State, when Ohio State's in the top 10 and Michigan's not, then Ohio State has a winning record. When Michigan's in the top 10 and Ohio State is not, Ohio State is 3-7-1. and one. So guess what? When Michigan's in the top 10 Ohio State's not, Michigan has the edge. So they both have edges, right? When they are in the top 10 and the other team is not. Of course. Yep. What about when they're both in the top 10? about when they're both in the top 10, which is where we are now. Because one, two, three, four, five, five of the last six games, both teams have been in the top 10. This is where we live now. And in the last 71 games, it's 10, 10, and one when both teams are in the top 10. So Nathan, the point I think I'm trying to make with that is when they're both good, it's even. Mm-hmm. And that's football, right? So I think that's also, you can make it, well, that's football. They're both good, they're even. Or 
is that intangibles that when they're both good now the intangibles are what determines it well because they're both good at football maybe there's a contrast in styles maybe somebody has one thing better the other one there's another nothing better but they're both good at football but also it's a framing device for if you're freaking out right we have to analyze this game nathan i think right now within the context of what is it like when both teams are good because that 17 and 4 is not what this is about right now what what would you make of 10 10 and 1 what would you want to tell our buckeye talk listeners about 10 10 and 1 in the last 71 games i i i hate to be like super simplistic about it but i just think that's what it is when two great teams play each other and i don't think you can assume um it, that's why it's been it's kind of the argument that i've been making going back to last year and i know that we had a sort of a previous exchange about this on a podcast that that sort of led us to this point where i was the one who was much less in favor of like finding these like sort of grand intangible gestures to make either the, the extra higher the the whatever because i really think it's just a matter of it's what happens when two really great football teams play each other that if you were to take a season and make a season of the ohio state michigan game which i'm not advocating but have 12 games of that uh it's not like it would be 11 to 1 and oh we just lost that one i mean you would it would be tougher to win those games same as if you if you're playing uh, michigan and georgia and alabama whatever it'd be more like an nfl situation right um so i i think it's just a matter of you go back to the drawing board and you figure out what you need to do to win because that's i think that's maybe been the essence of what I've been trying to explain to people these last couple of years is that I think sometimes in fans' minds, and I totally understand this, Ohio State is on a plane and Michigan is on a lower plane. And if you ever lose to Michigan... Ohio State is on a plane and Michigan is on a boat or on a people motorcycle. Can't, people can't see that I was using... In like little like... <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not know. talking about an actual plane. I'm talking about plane of existence. No, I'm using hands here. Ohio State is at one Sorry. tier, Michigan is at a lower tier. And that that means, in their minds, in their hearts, that means that Ohio State should just never lose to Michigan. But that's not what's actually happening on the football field right now. It was happening for a while, and Ohio State took full advantage of that. Right now, they are on equated tiers. They're at the same level, and sometimes you lose that game at home even when you're playing a great team. And I'm not saying you should accept it, but I'm also saying it isn't indicative of a something that is corrupted in your program necessarily it's just you played a great team at home you lost you move on to the next week and in this case last season they did actually still get to go on to the playoff that won't always be the case though so there are or actually will soon be the case (laughs) it may not be the case this year it will then definitely be the case every year after that until uh the 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 planes of existence fold in on themselves and, and we're all gone so that's i think that's the message i've been trying to get across to people that i know that i came into this at 2019 when Ohio State had just been dominating this thing and that that continued for another year and would have continued in 2020, most likely. But that is not the world that has existed these last two years. This is two great teams playing each other. Ohio State has just been on the wrong side of the football edge of that, I think, for coaching reasons, predominantly, and not for like spiritual reasons or magical reasons. I think you just got to go fix the football, and they're trying to do that right now. So Jimmy and Steven. When the football's close, do the intangibles matter more or less? So so the question here, right, if we are establishing a baseline of the football's close, the football is good on both sides, 
And I talked about this survey on, on, a, on a survey question on a, on a previous pod, like still 85% of the people are, are giving it a, a talent edge. The, the perception of Ohio State fans is still that Ohio State is more talented, but Michigan has certainly gotten closer. So I think we can acknowledge they're both good. Steven, does that mean we should talk intangibles more because that's what decides it? Or are intangibles for when one team's a huge underdog and they're going to go out and get you and, you know, Michigan under against Cooper, Michigan, even when they were a worse team or a lower ranked team, they had the way, they had the intangibles to beat Ohio State and Ohio State didn't know how to handle that game. Or Trestle comes in and, you know, Trestle wins in year one when he's still just trying to get stuff together. But the intangibles are there. Well, we're going to flip this. He gave the speech when he got hired. Like, when do intangibles affect the game more, Stephen, when the football's close or when the football's not close? I think they affect it more when the football's not close. I think they become a minute detail, matter of the fact, matter of fact type of detail when both teams are good. And I'll use the last two years as an example. I thought the only place where it was an intangible thing was 2021 when it looked like Cameron Brown was taking on the entire Michigan team. And you're wondering where are his teammates, why is he the only one that feels like he, it felt, it felt like in that, that felt very symbolical with this team just rolled over and took it. And Michigan was took full advantage of that this past year. That's just football stuff. Like Ohio state was ready for it. They came to fight. They just lost the fight. So I, I I think I just kind of summed it up. Yeah, when it's minute little details that you can point to, that's when the intangibles matter. But other than that, when it's just two good teams, it's mostly just football stuff. Intangibles only typically matter within like the first two years to that degree in the first two years of a coaching era because they are trying to, you know, embed their cult, their selves on the culture a little bit. So you have to be over the top with some of this stuff. I think that at least I think Jim Harbaugh would argue that the intangibles are what have put Michigan over the top the last two years. It obviously helps that they've also closed the talent gap, but just like this, this idea that particularly where Michigan's winning, how they're winning run game, pushing guys around a, a lot of that stuff is, is the fire within, right? It's like, how do you, how do you come off the ball? How, you know, how much, what is your, what is your will to, to hit the guy in front of you? That that stuff comes from weight rooms and comes from identifying, you know, the right body types that can develop into the kind of guys who can move guys, right? But, like, doesn't it also kind of come from, like, fiery locker room speeches and, you know, showing people, showing players all the people who don't think they can win a game and things of that nature? And I, I, I know I mentioned this earlier on the pod. But I just think that the the speech on the sidelines that Sam still gave, where he's just saying, "We, you know, we know what these guys do. We know they'll quit if we just keep pushing." Like that's that's an intangible thing that can almost become tangible. Like the Michigan guys said they saw it, and maybe they're just talking trash. Maybe they're trying to get in Ohio State's head. But like they said, they saw the 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 will to fight leave Ohio State's body on their home field last year in a game that meant a whole lot. And uh, again, part of the part of the reason that they perceived that to be happening is because 
Michigan was handing the ball off to a, a highly recruited running back and a five-star quarterback showed some moxie that day. Moxie's also intangible for what it's worth. But also it's just like football is about being a dude. <laughs> a lot of being a dude is intangible. I, I, maybe that applies more to Michigan and Ohio State just because of their play style, I guess. Like you do have to have a little – as much as they run the ball, you do need offensive linemen who are of that bully mindset. Like what do you tell Marvin Harrison? to? I don't know how you intangible – hey, Marvin – just leave your guy in the dust every route. Like, you know, I don't know how much intangible it takes to be good as a wide receiver. But I also just think Michigan is just doing a very good job of, like, emphasizing all this little stuff because they're winning right now. Whether it's the we could feel the will leaving their body as we were beating them on their home field or Jaden Davis having that top five come out with Ohio State in it when everybody in the world knew that this was not Ohio State has been out of that race for quite some time or now with the recruiting Michigan's just they're winning the rivalry on the field and now they're trying to also win it on social media and they're doing a very good job of that which you should do because that's how rivalries work I just wanted to throw this in here. I meant to say this before from Dave in the 513. He had a good text that ended with Michigan's fan arrogance when they are at the top is overwhelming. The Buckeyes need to take that away or at least keep the arrogant weasels in check. I just think arrogant weasels is a good band name. So I I didn't want to miss that. There's a part of me that I'm not so sure. Well, why am I? I think intangibles matter more when it's close because it's like, well, if the football is close, then what's going to decide it? Because to me, the intangibles, a part of it is your ability to play your best in that moment. And are you doing the things emotionally, motivationally, mentally, whatever you have to do to get yourself fired up? Are you tight? Are you loose? Do you think about the game every day for a year? Do you put it in the back of your mind? Does it motivate you? Does it? Is it a burden? Right? All those things go into then when it happens, did you play your best at not, or not? I think some of the mistakes that Ohio State made last year, I would maybe attribute to like, hey, it's the Michigan game. And I think maybe for a year they didn't think about it the wrong way. Now you still got to make a tackle. You can't blow coverage. You know, they fell down against Georgia too. And that wasn't emotional. But I like, there's a part of me like, why did Ohio State make those mistakes? Yes, it's football, but, and, and, but why did they make so many of them there. Yes, Michigan attacked them in a certain way. They ran motion and ran right at the slot corner and turned Cam Martinez around. But was there something, was Ohio State tight in the moment? Let me uh, give you a, a an answer to this, um, Nathan, related to a poll question. How much will this season's Ohio State-Michigan game come down to just football or how much will intangibles and emotion matter? I said, it's all football, right? Then it's it's mostly football, and there's a little intangibles and emotion. And then the most intangible one I said is it's a mix. It's a mix of football and intangibles and emotion. And then I had a texter say, hey, um, I th- you, why didn't you put it's mostly intangibles from the 614? I think you missed an option like it's mostly intangibles for that one question. Michigan is talent equated now, which means it's really only about heart and fundamentals, which is really also heart at this point. The all football, only 6%. It's mostly football and a little bit of intangibles, 38%. The most intangible option, it's a mix of in football and intangibles, almost equally. Got 56%, Nathan. There, there are fans who are saying like, hey, I get the football's equal. Now go do your thing. 
What do you think? Are you surprised by those answers, Nathan? What do you think about that idea? No, I'm not surprised by the answers. And some of this is, I, I, I don't want to kill the argument. Some of this is, I think, two perspectives describing similar things to some extent. For instance, like the mistakes that Ohio State was making defensively in that game last year. I, I get where you're coming from, from like an intangible, like maybe saying that there were intangible roots to those things. I think it's also possible that over 11 games that Michigan was steadying on Ohio State, it saw vulnerabilities that it attacked with by having the better coaching staff than the other previous teams that Ohio State had played that year, better than any of the previous teams had. And they, they caught Ohio State at vulnerabilities and, and capitalized on them. And that, that, to me, isn't an intangible thing. That's a football thing, but I totally understand where someone would also – see an intangible root in that. Do you see where I'm getting at there? I, that we're not really arguing two different things there necessarily. I want to say real quick something because I know it got out last year, last week at the coaches clinic. Let's say last year, last week at the coaches clinic, uh, there was the big uh, round table with all four coaches. Urban Meyer said something about, we had a coach that, that focused on Ohio state or focused on Michigan all year. He didn't say Michigan. Um, although I, it only dawned on me in the last uh, week that his initials are UM, which I'm sure you guys has been talked about a lot in the past. I just found that ironic. But Ohio State has also had a coach who, I, and this is not, not an intern, whose job every Tuesday throughout the year was doing Michigan stuff. So, uh, and that was confirmed for me again today. I was asking this person about it. They said it was off the record. They didn't want me to disclose who it was. But um, that person said, we are definitely studying them just as hard as when Urban Meyer was coach. So it's it's I, I know that there are fans who think that something has maybe necessarily been missing from a preparation standpoint, and I I don't think that's true either. I don't think we have evidence of that, other than the I mean the result is some evidence of that maybe. But in far as what when we talk to the team, when we're around the team, the people that we converse with, they still talk about Michigan throughout the season and preparing for that game throughout the season. Not there- only are his initials UM. They're UFM, which is University of F in Michigan. So, I mean, the guy <laughs> was better, born yeah. with Frank, yeah. Urban Frank. Can you imagine if he was like, you know what? Urban's kind of, I know I'm named for a pope and I like it, but it's kind of an old-fashioned name. Can you just call me Frank? If it been like, and now the new coach of the Ohio State Buckeyes, Frank Meyer. Just different. It hits different, right? I don't think you can pop your collar on a, on a white quarter zip if your name's Frank. I don't know if I could sign up to play for somebody named Frank Meyer. Urban, you got me there. I'm committed. Yeah. Frank Meyer. Frank yeah. Meyer. I don't know about that. You Frank would Meyer. after he, you would after he won the second national title, but at the least. Yeah. Now he's now Frank Meyer mean. means something. Nick yeah, Saban isn't exactly an epic name until he became Nick Saban. <laughs> well, no, he didn't even become Nick Saban. He just dropped the Nick and now he's just Saban. Right, well, there you go. That's true. Kirby. Kirby's epic. It's like I want to go play <laughs> Kirby. Kirby's only epic after hey, you Kirby. win national titles. Yeah, Urban's kind of yeah. epic, regardless. Yeah, yeah. There's Frank, no Pope Frank Kirby. Meyer. There's no Pope. Yeah. What, is there a Pope Frank? I, we're not Pope. Kirby. There's no Pope Kirby. <laughs> Pope Kirby. <laughs> could there be Kirby the ninth? Could there the be a, just to just to steer this back real quick? Let me just let just me to just, steer this no, away from Urban Meyer's no, middle name, Jimmy. No, that's not how we do that. It's I don't think you know how this works. You don't know how this works. Are you new here? Are you new here? I am. We I are am. no longer. We're no longer talking football. We're talking football coaches' names. I'm stepping far outside of of my jurisdiction here, but I would on this football podcast 
like to read some football scores to you? Is that a, that jive with everybody? Um, oh yeah, just, just do it like about, in a funny voice. Scores, you do it in an accent. Yeah, <laughs> and just the like, scores, no team names. No, no team names. Just uh, thinking about intangibles and like focus and, and why, even if Ohio State still folk, like is studying Michigan the way it is, why maybe that edge could erode away. 2014 Ohio State 42 28. 2015 Ohio State 42 13. We're skipping a few years here. There were some good games. 2018 62 39. 2019 56 27. You said you, you made a comment earlier, Doug beating Michigan like they were Indiana. If you do that enough times, can that sort of erode away some of the messaging? Even if even if the messaging remains the same, can that erode away some of the, the weight that that messaging has? I think that's very well said, especially the two offensive bombs that they dropped on on Michigan. And and listen, there's just there's a component of this like urban I mean, Urban did it. Urban backed it up. Urban went 7-0 and against Michigan. They also were undefeated in 2013, and Michigan was 7-4, and and Ohio State had to intercept the pass and the two-point conversion to win a game against a 7-4 and Michigan team. That looked like a different team. That Michigan team did, for the first 11 games of the year, it looked like it didn't know how to play offense. And then it came out in that game, and it, it, it was like, where has – that was – I mean, that's one of those things. That's to your, almost to your point, Stephen. That was a talent disparity, big gap, and Michigan, That whatever they did, they changed their approach. They got fired up. I don't know if Ohio State was sleeping a little bit, but that the intangibles there, there was not. There was no comparison between the skill of those teams, and they were this far away from winning that game, Stephen, right? That, that's yeah. an example of like, the, and to your point, the intangibles matter more when there's a gap. Yeah, because in those situations, whether we're talking this rivalry or just any other rivalry, when one team is clearly better than the other, and because this rivalry is at the end of the season, it's shown on paper that one team is clearly better than the other, the other team doesn't have anything to lose. Michigan's going out there to play free because our season's over. So everything about our season is about ruining things for our rival now because we're not doing anything. We're 7-4, and while Ohio State – and I think it's it's almost been built into the mindset a little bit now, just because of how Michigan has been over the last twenty years. Is Ohio State's always been marching towards something further, while Michigan is marching towards November, the end of November. And even now, when they're playoff caliber, it still feels that way. It feels like Ohio State is marching to their what are their goal? They say this every year: beat Michigan, win the Big Ten championship, and win the national championship. Beating Michigan is just part of the journey. For Ohio State, while beating Ohio State is the journey for Michigan. And that's how you get comments like, Ohio State's built to win the national championship. Michigan's built to beat Ohio State. Now the question is, can Michigan, after they beat Ohio State two years in a row, can they now get on the stage and stop embarrassing themselves in the playoffs? While for Ohio State, they embarrassed themselves against Michigan, and then it came down to their kicker just not being an NFL-level kicker for why they're not winning a national title. That's a that's a really good point, because there was a, a, a one I a texter text that I read on a previous pod that was saying, did Ohio state kind of forget about Michigan? There was a time it felt like Clemson was a bigger rival for Ohio state than Michigan was. Can you imagine this like Michigan being like, well, you know, Michigan against Ohio state, that's fine. But man, these Michigan USC playoff games, that's what it's about. And that the idea that 
this was the end game for Michigan was Ohio State and Ohio State there was a new end game but now maybe also that's changed because what did we talk about on the football pod all right Michigan you made the playoffs twice in a row but now show me something more so there's a new end game for Michigan that's not just Ohio State so they're 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 getting closer in some ways that it is um, Ohio state success, which is just how life works. Like you're, you're so successful that somehow it becomes a negative and the team that wasn't as successful then somehow is finally able to use that as a positive. And I think maybe there's, there's something to that. I, I do just want to finish on this point, Nathan, before we, we get to our last segment, that 10, 10 and one, when both teams are ranked in the top 10 in the last 71 games, Woody pretty good. Six, three, and one, Woody. And that 10-year war, Woody lost his last three games against Michigan. But the beginning of that 10-year war, they are humdingers. They're both awesome. And Woody has the edge, right? There's that tie. Talking about like sort of intangible things. 1973, Ohio State runs through the M Club banner on the field. They rip the banner down. And then they go out, they tie. And it's like, oh, we're going to go out and tie you guys. <laughs> but but Woody, Woody has taken Michigan's best shot Six three and one, Earl zero oh, and three. I, I'm not sure there's more of an encapsulation like the difference between Woody and Earl than when they were two top ten teams in the Ohio State Michigan rivalry. Earl was zero oh, and three. Coop zero oh, and one. He kept losing to Michigan teams that weren't in the top ten. Right that that wasn't his his issue was not losing to good Michigan teams. It was losing to Michigan teams that weren't as good as Ohio State. Tress in ten years. Tress is nine and one, one and one. When they're both in the top 10, they win the one, two game, but in 03, they're both in the top 10. Michigan wins. He had to do it twice in 10 years. Urban two and O two and O one of them's the 2016 game, which comes down to a spot could have gone either way, right? There wasn't anything in there that I don't think that that's urban Myers intangible. We had a coach or whatever. It's like, they got a good spot when it mattered. Because Michigan was right there. Michigan that year might have been the better team. That's a flawed Ohio State team. They found a way to win. Credit to Ohio State, but it's an inch. So Trestle dealt with it twice in 10 years. Urban dealt with it twice in seven years. Ryan Day is one and two. Ryan Day's dealt with it three times in four years. Right, Nathan? So this is part of what we're talking about here. That what, what has happened now, it never was quite like this during the heyday of the Michigan killers, Jim Tressel and Urban Meyer. And it's just something we have to take slightly into account. And I asked this question, Nathan, how does Michigan's level of play affect your view of the game? And I gave him the stat about 10, 10 and one Ohio state must win regardless of Michigan's level. It's the game. Like I don't want to hear stats. I just know it's the rivalry game. That's what matters. That was the, the biggest answer on that end. If Michigan is very good, I slightly get it, but I still want Ohio State to win almost all the time, okay? So, like, that's a little nod. And then the, the other extreme was, if Michigan is very good, I understand that Ohio State will lose sometimes. I get it, right? So, Nathan, what happened here told us nothing. The middle answer got 40%, and the two ends got 30% each. Yeah. It's exactly but, the same. So, it doesn't tell us anything. No, but it's all – all of those are almost – it's almost like the three stages of – dealing with the loss when it happens right like before the loss happens you should be you should be uh you should be the first thing you should be like we never lose to michigan like as of november 25th or whatever the first day before the game as you're showing up for the game that day as you're turning on your tv 
no way should Ohio State ever lose to Michigan. And then, like, in the fourth quarter when you see where it's going, then maybe you're, like, the third thing where you're like, well, yeah, this is going to happen every once in a while. And then, like, the day after the aftermath, you're like, you know what? That doesn't sit right with me. Like, I don't care how good they are. You should still beat them. I think those are all completely reasonable things that can exist in any fan's head. In fact, the same fan's head in a 24-hour period, really, 48 hours. And I, I know that I have been – people have, like, push back at me a little bit. Like I don't understand the rivalry because I don't think that there needs to be an absolute emotional reaction. Um, and I, I think that Ohio state fans should want to go undefeated against Michigan and maybe even like there's a difference between setting that expectation and like holding someone to that expectation unreasonably, like set the expectation. You're going to, you want to win every game. You want to win a national championship every year but you know you're not going to win a national championship every year. Nobody does that. Alabama doesn't win a national championship every year. Like unless you're like UCLA basketball in the 60s and 70s, you don't win a national championship every year. So like even the most dominant teams in any realm don't win it every year. You have to you have to be able to set that expectation and then process when it doesn't happen and come back and get the next one. Okay. Last break. We'll wrap this up when we come back on Buckeye Talk. All right, last last couple things here. Um, there's a point that I want to get to from a tech subscriber along the lines of what we just talked about with the idea of what if they're both good. From the 513, I grew up in the Trestle era, and one of my first memories of the game is intercepting Michigan's two-point conversion attempt to win the game. All I knew until two years ago was Ohio State domination in the rivalry. I didn't care how good they were when we beat them as long as we beat them. The same people who want day gone and major changes are, in my opinion, the same people who want Michigan to be good for the sake of the rivalry. Michigan being good can mostly only hurt Ohio State's title chances, unless Ohio State has an early loss and needs a resume boost. It does not matter and should not matter how good Michigan is to Ohio State fans. I hope they lose every single game of the season and Ohio State beats them by 50. Having to hear about the last two years makes it unfathomable to think about what they went through since the turn of the century. For those that wanted Michigan to be good, this is what you get. But you can't complain about losing because they're a darn good team with some good players. So like this is, right, it's like, hey, wouldn't it be, it's like, okay, Congratulations, Steven. Congratulations. Yeah. Michigan's good. Here are your two losses. And and the idea of like, I, there are fans who just say, I don't, just give me the win. I want to beat down every year, right? Some people want that. I respect those fans. Probably the, I respect all fans. I respect those fans the most, mainly because a lot of the fans who think like that live through the Cooper era. And it's like, no, I don't want to live with that again. I do not want to do that ever again. It scarred me for life. I do not want to live that ever again. Michigan needs to be eight and six, or you know, they need nine and three, seven and four. That's what I want for my Michigan teams. I do not want good Michigan teams. So I, I get it because the both teams are good is cool for the rivalry from a national perspective. I don't know if that's good for the mental health of the individual fan bases when both teams are good. Nathan, you want to add something? You told Well, no, I just like want to say I, I, I totally I, – I get why a fan would be, oh, my God, two in a row. Are we back in a Cooper era? But as you just pointed out, losing to Michigan teams that are going off to a playoff – I know there wasn't a playoff under Cooper – but losing to Michigan teams that are then going to be one of the two ranked, top two ranked teams in the country after that game is not the John Cooper era. That was not the games that they were losing. This is a different thing now. Yeah. So, Jimmy, there's a particular thing that, that I want to at least touch on that uh, a texter asked about. 
Ryan Day not being from Ohio is a problem. Nobody understands what this rivalry means unless you lived it most of your life. For me, it has been all my life. Beating that team means everything. Losing is soul-crushing and very personal. I live in Lexington, Kentucky, where basketball is king, and Kentucky basketball is the most important thing to most people. They cannot even understand me. I believe we may win a few with Day, but Michigan definitely benefits from him being an outsider. He cannot hate them like we do. Hate them. That emotion mixed with talent and good coaching wins every time, a.k.a. the Urban Meyer era. We are missing the hate, and we have the other two parts. So the, the part of this that I think is particularly interesting is Ryan Day is an outsider. I don't think you can limit your coaching search to people who are from Ohio, or eventually that's going to come back and bite you. Jim Harbaugh is the ultimate Michigan insider. There is not only the idea that Ryan Day is an outsider. There is a direct contrast here. What do you think Harbaugh, as an ultimate insider, means to this? He's He came back to restore the glory of Michigan. That contrast is very interesting here. Yeah, I think that's a great point. As someone who who has lived in Ohio for a long time, I think it's spot on. For the people who grew up with this rivalry, it's like a disease, man. Like if you if you get if you catch the losing party of Ohio State and Michigan on the wrong day talking about that game, like watch your step, man. Like you're you're entering in treacherous treacherous waters. And Ryan Day can can wear the colors. He can he can, you know, he can make the speech, but Nathan, remember at the skull session this year when Brian Hartline went up there? Different energy, man. Different yeah. energy. And I know Brian Hartline's an intense dude, but <laughs> that guy was speaking with like every internal organ of it with his he was screaming like a a primal like he was giving a primal speech to the people in that building and even if jim harbaugh doesn't deliver the message the way brian hartline can it there's still like a a, an authenticity that comes with it when you bleed it when you lived it forever like i don't know it's it's weird because jim harbaugh is technically from ohio but like he was he was so ingrained in that rivalry that he can he can talk about that game in a way where in a way that Ryan Day, who has only been a part of it for you know less than ten years, cannot. I definitely believe that. Where that shows up on the field is interesting. I guess it also that also relates back to how much do you believe in intangibles, right? But there's definitely something there where the, the if you're in this, if you grew up with it, if it's really in you, it's in you. It's it, you can't. You can't glob onto it unless, I mean, I guess if you're there for like 40 years, maybe, but it's, it's something that has to be organic, I think. Yeah. I mean, you definitely yeah. felt that that day to follow up on that. It's, it was palpable and it's not just the fans. The team is there too. The team is soaking that up too. They still scored three points in the second half against Michigan. So I don't think that's, yeah. <laughs> I don't think that's the answer. And I, even with Jim Harbaugh being the ultimate Michigan, I mean, that's the quarterback who guaranteed a win over Ohio State and then went and did it. It don't get more Michigan of people who are currently walking the planet. It don't get more Michigan than Jim Harbaugh. And it took him seven years to get a win. So that stuff is great. But if your team isn't executing and getting it done on the field, whether it's because they're not executing or they're just not good enough, all that he's from here, he knows it so well because it's embedded in his culture, starts to mean a little less. Yeah, Brian Hartland played at Ohio State, and he had never lost to Michigan. He's lost the last two years. Counterpoint. Ohio State played its best game of the year against Georgia after losing to Michigan. 
And a lot of the reason why they, they were talking about all this hell fire and brimstone that they that they brought from that game. That was born of a of kind of the same emotion, I think, that Heartline was speaking with that day. And again, I'm not saying that's, you know, that's the only reason that that happened. CJ, that was also a generational CJ Stroud performance and, and Marvin Harrison's awesome and all these other things. But there's a it's it's not like it's not a big piece of the pie chart, but I think there's a thread there. Like that, that, whatever that is, that, that primal emotion matters. And you know what? Maybe it took, maybe it took losing a couple of tough ones to awaken that in Ryan Day or, or the current iteration of the Buckeyes. I don't know, but I do think that there's a sliver of that that matters. Showing you care only matters if you can actually do something about it. And that's why even with the Urban Meyer being 7-0 and and being as intense as he was and all that stuff, do Urban Meyer's first three Ohio State teams beat these three Michigan teams? Or is Urban Meyer one and two right now? Because of the, the so that's always how I look at it. It's like Urban Meyer is seven and zero oh against those Michigan teams who were two bad coaching hires in a row. And Jim Harbaugh had to clean up a lot of mess. You know, Jim Trestle got the end of the Lord Carr era and the beginning of the mess that was Michigan. So it's there's always context with some of these records here. So I agree. Having the Ohio coach matters, especially during the announcement of their hire or when they go speak in St. John for one of the first times and say stuff like, listen, uh, we're going to go up to Michigan and, you know, we're going to make our fans proud. And you say all that stuff. That's cool. It helps you win the press conference. It doesn't help you win a football game as much as I think we want to place on it sometimes. And, and it's interesting to bring up Georgia in relation to Michigan because I think it reiterates a point Doug was making before, maybe, it's just a piece of evidence about the – That Kirby would be a weird name for a pope. Was it that point that we were making? <laughs> no, no, that that oh, it sorry. was a, the underdog point, the underdog point, because all of a sudden coming out of the Michigan game, now all of a sudden Ohio State has nothing mm-hmm. to gain and everything to lose. That was not the case going into the Michigan game. It was almost the opposite. You have you're already on top and you can lose it all if you lose that game. And they've got to find a way to have that same mentality. And maybe they learned something from the Michigan game this year and how they how they approached it and then how they approach Georgia that will affect how they approach things mentally this time. I don't know, but they've got to you, you can't be a national championship team by only ever winning as an underdog like that's you, you can't be what Ohio State wants to be and have that be the case. So last thing here, and we'll do this quickly. This We'll start with this text from the 217. The Michigan touchdowns last year, 69 yards, 75 yards, 45 yards, 75 yards, 85 yards. We have to stop the big plays, obviously. Blown coverage and missed tackles. Knowles will, hope, Knowles will hopefully have a better plan this year. That was a beating. So that idea, right? Let's talk. It's those big plays, as we've talked about a million times, which led me to this question. Which is more responsible for Michigan winning the last two, day, two games? Ohio State falling short and making mistakes or Michigan doing things well and making plays, right? Because there, uh, another thing that we talked about on the first pod here, there were some survey questions about, do you think Michigan's a tough matchup for Ohio State? True or false? True. Do you think that Ohio State's lost a mental edge in the rivalry? True or false? True. Do you think Michigan's talent and coaching has gotten better, which gives Michigan a better chance? True. There are all those things. I think we are all acknowledging. Nobody is disputing Michigan's better. But it's three to one that it's still more about Ohio State messing up than it is Michigan rising up. That is, that is the, that's the vote on this. If you have to pick one, is it Ohio State falling short? Is it Michigan doing something right? I think that is a football discussion, 
but it is also an intangible discussion because part of it is it's how good you are and then it's how good you are in the moment and what that's clutch that's burden that's rising up that's all those things so we'll wrap up with this jimmy how would you vote in that the last 2 years has it been more is this turn this brief turn and we don't know how long it's going to last of the rivalry is it more about what michigan has done or what ohio state hasn't done jimmy I feel like we're on first take. Did Ohio State lose the game or did Michigan win it? Oh, um, thank you. Thank you very much. No, that was very ooh, um, I don't think that's a compliment. I think I think oh. a, I mean again, depends on your perspective. It's all about perspective. They get it's a lot of views, and so I would love if there we got that many listeners. So <laughs> Stephen A means. Um I've heard that I so many times that, in my life. <laughs> <laughs> um I would say that it, very basically, Ohio State has not looked the way it wanted to look in those games. Michigan has looked the way it wanted to look in those games. And I think Michigan had a little bit to do with the reason why Ohio State didn't look the way it didn't. Ohio State had a decent amount of reason, a decent chunk of blame in that as well. But Michigan deserves a lot of credit for looking the way it wants to look. So I'll say Michigan is is winning it. Okay. Steven, what do you think? Steven A. Means. I feel like I'm 10 years old again. Um, I think 2022 more Ohio State and what they weren't doing, 2021 more Michigan and what they were doing. Nathan, we'll leave it to you to wrap this up. No, I I, I, I vote Michigan both. I think Michigan came out in both of those games. It had the, the generational player that Ohio State couldn't match in 2021. And in both cases, I think there were fl- – certainly Ohio State had flaws as all teams do somewhere. And Michigan just identified them and exploited them better than Ohio state did to Michigan. Okay. So that's it. We're never going to talk about Ohio state, Michigan again, next week. We're <laughs> going to do a whole series about the uh, Ohio state Rutgers rivalry and what that means to the state of college football. No, we see what, what do you want to do a three part thing here and just get this out here for now, get you guys thinking, get you guys talking. And we wanted to hear from you. So thanks to all the texters who sent in their thoughts. Thanks to all the texters who voted in the survey. If you want to be part of that 614-350-3315, if you want to sign up, make sure you are reading Nathan Baird at cleveland.com. Make sure you are reading Stephen Means at cleveland.com. Make sure you are reading Jimmy Watkins at cleveland.com and make sure you're subscribed to Buckeye Talk so you don't miss an episode. For now, for Nathan, for Steven, and for Jimmy, I'm Doug, and that was Buckeye Talk.